Hey there, you're listening to the Aligned Women Podcast, the original podcast for women in chiropractic. If doing all the things you were told to do to grow your practice have left you overwhelmed and exhausted, you're in the right place. I'm Dr. Danielle Eaton, the founder of Aligned Women. We help women in chiropractic who are just like you to grow profitable practices without sacrificing being present with your family. If you're done with spinal screenings and health fears, want more time freedom, more money in your bank account, and a practice that you love without sacrificing your health, be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Now, sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 174 of the Aligned Women podcast. Today starts a new series on the podcast where we are officially gearing up to a new era of this podcast, which will be happening in episode 178. Between now and then, I'm going to share with you some on-air coaching sessions that I did back in January and maybe also February of this year, 2020, that are going to help you hear more from other chiropractors about how you can start to create an online course or membership so that you can scale your practice beyond what you can do if you are limited to taking care of all of your people, one person at a time, or, you know, if you practice something like network or maybe is it BGI where you have like three people on the tables at a time, you're still limited in how many people you can help. And to help more people just means giving more and more of your time. So if you're at a point right now where you are ready to scale, you have all the patients you want to see and you want to get some time back from your practice. You want to continue to reach new financial goals. You want to serve people in new and different ways. And you have really refined your craft. You have a certain level of confidence and your ability to help people get well, get certain results. Then you'll want to hear this series of episodes. So today I'm interviewing, actually not interviewing, but having an audio coaching session with Dr. Kristen Hosaka. And Dr. Kristen and I will dive into an idea that she had, she'd had for quite a while actually about creating a birth course for chiropractors so that chiropractors could be better prepared and more confident to attend births. So Dr. Kristen, since the time of recording this, has actually launched that course and it's been available for chiropractors now. We will put information about Dr. Kristen's program in the show notes for today's episode if you want to find out more about that. And of course, if you are ready to take the next step with me to get your course or membership program finally online and available for real people, then also check the show notes for the wait list for that new program. It's going to be called the line practice. I'll be looking for beta testers at the end of October. So if you want to get in early, you want to start getting results quickly and you want to do it at the lowest price possible, then go get on the wait list so you can be a beta tester for the program. All right. Well then, I think that's all I've got to say for now. Here is my on-air coaching session from earlier in 2020 with Dr. Kristen. All right. Welcome everyone. I'm here today for an on-air coaching session with Dr. Kristen Hosaka. I hope I pronounced your last name correctly. Hosaka. 
Yeah. Okay. okay. Great. All right. So Dr. Kristen, I am going to let you introduce yourself and your family, and then we'll talk a bit about your practice. And before we get too far, I just want to let our audience know that what we're focusing on here is a little bit different than usual because we're not talking about the hands-on part of your practice. That's already pretty well established for you and sometimes almost a problematic point, but um, we're, we're going to be focusing on something a little bit different, a, an ancillary part of your practice. And we'll talk more about that as we go through our discussion today. All right. So on that note, share with us more about who you are and about your family. Well, I'm Kristen Hosaka, as you said. Um, I have been in practice since 2003. I've been at it for a while. I work in the suburbs of Fort Worth, and I have a predominantly pediatric and pregnancy-oriented practice that we see you know, from babies on up. So we have a variety of different patients. My ideal patient avatar, since we talked so much about that, is not the pregnant mom, not the baby, but it's the 20-week baby in utero that I am hoping to help have a better birth outcome so that they have the best start to their life that they can. Um, so that's thanks to your guidance has become my avatar. So it's not so much the mom or the baby, but the in utero baby. So we've worked on that quite a bit. I have five kids myself, two of his, two of mine, one of ours. We've got two in college, two juniors in high school, and the first grader. We have a wide variety of ages. Well, not variety. We have four mostly teenagers and, and a little one. And they have all taught me a lot about parenting, about life, about practice. My kids, unfortunately, tend to be more jacked up than a lot of my patients because of things that have happened to them in the past and traumas and things like that. So I've learned not just the parenting stuff, but the, the practice stuff as well with them, mm-hmm. including with their birth process. So, Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just took one of my kiddos to another chiropractor this morning to have her evaluated because she's got some issues going on with her back. And uh, when I adjust her, doesn't seem to really do anything to help her. And she doesn't really even like for me to adjust her. And then today she had an acute um, earache. And so we go to this other chiropractor who I know and trust, and I know his whole family and he's assessing her and he's asking me questions about her health and does she have any digestive issues? And I'm like, Yes. And what is her diet like? I'm like, well, we limit dairy and gluten, but we're not dairy and gluten free. And he was like, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking. I'm like, (laughs) oh, and it was just kind of this moment of realizing that we put ourselves into this place where as the parents of chiropractic kids, that we feel like if they have symptoms, we're doing something wrong. And I also had to remember in that moment, she's a human. (laughs) She's had traumas. She's been exposed to toxins. She doesn't always have only positive thoughts, right? Like she's going to have stuff just as all the rest of us do. And it doesn't mean that I'm doing something wrong as her mom. So yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I think as a chiropractor, our kids are more challenging than some of the other kids because they have lots to teach us as well. So yeah. Right. Like having two kiddos have ear infections for the first time ever in the last three days, I'm looking at them like, what am I doing wrong? Why doesn't it work when I use the same things that I do with all the patients who have ear infections and they're like miraculously better in a day? <laughs> exactly. And what am I missing? The and the chiropractic guilt on top of it. So. Yeah. 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 Yep. And it's also a unique experience, I think, raising a younger child and teenagers at the same time. Yeah. Just a little training. 
just a side note. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about your practice. You described your ideal patient avatar as the baby in utero, essentially. Mm -hmm. And from what I know about your practice, you've got lots of those babies in utero in your practice and you've been practicing for quite a long time. Do you still attend births regularly? Can we talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I used to attend a lot of births. Like I would be going sometimes weekly to birth. Um, I think I've attended over 200 births. Um, I've been to countless labors. I have moms coming into my practice all the time in early labor to get adjusted on the way to the birth center or back home or even to the hospital. Um, so we do see a lot of moms that are laboring or um, in, in the process. But I don't attend a great deal of birth anymore because most of the time I get my patients in a position where they don't need me at the birth. Mm-hmm. And so I've learned a lot about, you know, I don't want to step on any toes, but there's there's more to chiropractic and pregnancy than just Webster. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a lot of those tools in the toolbox, um, I don't really feel like you can adequately serve the population um, with the more difficult cases. You know, for what most women, most patients got the math, like we said, you know, our kids can sometimes be the hardest one. Um, you know, the more skills you have, I think the more complicated patients that you get. And then you have to open a virtual box and have a lot more resources. Yeah. So attending over 200 births, like, blows my mind. <laughs> because <laughs> obviously you didn't just do that, you know, within the last couple of years. But you've been attending births for a long time. And I have not actually attended a single birth myself. So when I, well, besides like our, well, okay. Yes. My own, (laughs) they were not the births that I would have wanted to be at. My births didn't go the way that I anticipated that they would or hope they would. I've, I've like attended my dog giving birth a few times, but not a human um, other than myself. But I can, I can't personally relate to the amount of experience that you've gained um, from attending that number of births, what are some of the kinds of things that you've that you've seen happen or been able to experience that you also have then incorporated into the way that you treat patients in your practice? Right. You know, I think there's not any real depth of information out there about what to do during the labor. So everything that I've learned, I've had to learn from developing my own techniques in labor and developing a sense of how to differentiate what's in my scope and what's not based on pain patterns and issues going on in labor. And I just recently went to birth um, last month, I guess. And she had horrendous pain in her hip in the front and in the back. And there was a nuchal hand, which if you don't know what that is, it means that the baby had the elbow up like this. And moving the baby is not in my scope of practice, but releasing the round ligaments, releasing the sacrum, all the things, and now that's within my scope. So, Learning to figure out, you know, where chiropractic fits in, how, how to work through those flavors, develop techniques that not only cover your butt as far as scope and, and what you're doing, um, but also being able to change the outcome of that birth. Because I know if that baby had left her hands here, she would have had a C-section eventually. It would have been a poor outcome for, for mom. But being able to, to tell what's going on by what the sacrum's doing, by what pain patterns are, by contraction patterns, all of those things, um, then you begin to develop a sense of how can I help this woman, how can I help this baby to have the good birth outcome or, you know, at least the, the easier birth outcome than they have. 
It's a really important point that you pointed out about protecting yourself um, from a liability perspective. Additionally, it seems like a very important part of protecting your relationships with other providers, whether that means OBs, midwives, doulas, so that they really understand what what your unique role is. And they also know that you're not overstepping your boundaries, perhaps, or even walking into their territory that they might feel protective of. Right. So, so that approach also probably helps them feel collaborative with you rather than like you might be competitive with them. Right. And unfortunately, this birth, it was with a midwife I had never worked with before. So she did feel like I was stepping in the toes because I knew that this baby had an equal hand and she didn't. And so luckily, um, she's another chiropractor friend that what I do, and she was able to explain to her more fully the situation. But yeah, you do have to be careful and you do have to foster those relationships and you do have to make sure that you're all on the same page so that the mother's best interest is in yes. not territory. Yes. Okay. So on that note, you have taken this unique experience and knowledge that you have and have created a course that you're offering for other chiropractors to learn how to um, support women who are in labor. So do you want to share a little bit more first about, about the course itself and what you've been working on? And then we can dive into talking a bit more specifically about a challenge or a place that you might be stuck with moving forward with that now. Okay. Well, the course really is designed to take you through birth, the anatomy of birth, uh, the process of birth, what a normal physiological birth looks like, what patterns to look for, when chiropractic is appropriate, and things that you can do at different stages of labor to help mom and baby work through that stage easier and faster if they're having a problem there. It talks about really analyzing the sacrum and the pelvis during labor. You know, where you're at, where the baby's at, and what changes we can safely make to help labor progress. So that's kind of the gist of the course. Uh, we also go in depth with different um, ways to adjust the pubic bone because that's always kind of a iffy place for a lot of people who are scared to, to adjust the pubic bone and how to do it without actually touching the pubic bone. Um, mm. Why you have sensitive pubic dysfunction, things like that. It gets more in depth in some of the some of those areas that I've seen online that people are having challenges with, just in pregnancy in general. All right. So you have an in-person course that is coming up in about a month from now. Yeah, and that first. will be that will be happening in Texas, I'm assuming in the Fort yeah. Worth area. Yeah. And you also have hopes for offering at least a component of what you're teaching through the hands-on course in a digital kind of way as well so that more people can access this information. So let's talk more specifically about where you are at with getting this course started, which has been a long time coming (laughs) and it sounds like you're getting really close. So where do you feel like you are unclear or not certain on how to move forward with this course that a lot of women or, well, I would say a lot of chiropractors in general will want to have access to when it's available. Yeah, I think right now one of my big issues is balancing family time and work time and having this extra on top to find the time to actually do it, concentrate on it. And like you, we've had sickness over the holidays. (laughs) 
we have teenagers that are going every which direction and maybe not like making good life choices but many times. So, you know, there's a lot of pulls being a mom because in many ways that's, you know, my main function is to get these little people to turn into productive adults. That's a hard, hard job. That's a 24-7 job in itself. It is. And then having full-time practice, a very busy practice, and um, and then taking time for me. And so then adding one more thing on top of it, which I feel very, very driven to do. But at the end of the day, it's like, I'm tired. I don't have the energy to work on this. So, mm-hmm. you know, where does it fit? Where does it fit in that lifestyle? Do you have the content for the hands-on course written out in some way? Do you have it yes. um, ready to present? Mostly. I need to go back and do some fine tuning, but I've got my PowerPoint. I've got, um, I've got it all laid out. Okay. Awesome. So if you've got the content for the course already mapped out, then what do you think is the next step? What, what do you need to work on next? Um, I need to get an online course, um, put up. So that intro course where people can be like, okay, yeah, she's got useful information and we can get a taste of that online. Um, I think that's, what is that, the teaser online, um, as well as the module online. Um, you need to film that. Yeah, getting in front of the camera qualifies me. So, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's a hard one for me. I'm much better speaking in person because the camera is very intimidating. What do you think would make it feel less intimidating for you to be in front of the camera? Um, I'm not sure if it would be better to have an in-person class with a few people where I'm just teaching and mm. take it and edit it, or if I should just spend a weekend and just get over myself and do it. Yeah, this is kind of funny. Uh, my daughter has a puppy, and we were playing with her puppy last night, and the puppy is terrified of oranges. Oranges? Had an orange. Oranges, yeah. Okay. Had an orange. <laughs> and every time you get the orange close to her, she would back up and she would growl. And it was a really good analogy for me last night about fear. Mm-hmm. There is nothing scary about the orange that we have this perceived fear of the orange. So right now the orange is in my thoughts. And I'm probably going to be seeing oranges everywhere because that is just, you know, such a great analogy. We, we see it, we come, we sniff it, we smell it. And then as soon as it moves or changes, we back up. Mm-hmm. And we snarl and our fear comes up. we got to get over that fear. Um, well, one of the ways that some people might suggest getting over that fear is by repeated exposure to the thing that you're afraid of. So mm-hmm. we don't know if this will be effective with your puppy, for example, but if the puppy has repeated exposure to the orange or to any orange, then maybe eventually the puppy learns there's actually nothing to be afraid of in regards to the orange. Right. Right. And I, I would say for myself, that's been my experience with being in front of a camera because I was definitely feeling much like that myself with being in front of a camera and just through lots and lots of repetition. I just learned that there's really nothing to be afraid of. And in worst case scenario, if I say something silly, I delete the video and I start over again. So maybe it takes a little bit more time than I anticipated. Truthfully, worst case scenario is if you record something on a video and you, re- and you release it or share it with other people, especially other people in our profession, then maybe they disagree with you and they have something to say about it. And mm-hmm. again, there I've just learned like, eh, okay, you've got your opinion and I have mine. 
that's awesome. Right. <laughs> There's really yeah. nothing and, further to think or feel about it after that. Right. And I'm pretty good about that. I mean, I'm old enough that I don't care about people's opinions that much anymore as far as you know, giving me a hard time about something. But I also think that if we open things up to discussion and we're able to discuss them, then we we'll all learn from those discussions if they don't agree. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's an opportunity to learn. What is your big vision for your courses? How many people do you want these courses to be able to reach and impact? I mean, I would love to help chiropractors develop more of the, of the ability to practice in labor. I would love to see a chiropractor in, at every labor, especially home birth and um, birth center, because we're so needed and those are areas where we're invited in and we need to have more skills and knowledge because we can do more than just a quick adjustment. We can do so much to help balance the body and make that birth process so much easier for that baby and for the mom. I think eventually, I mean, it would be great if we could have chiropractors at every hospital birth too, Mm -hmm. but I think that's a a greater challenge that I'm willing to take on at this point. (laughs) So I would just really like to see, see more birth information out there in the chiropractic world so that people don't have to start over from square one and learn in the trenches like I did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So really that's a pretty big vision that you have for the courses. So that tells me that you want these courses to be able to reach a lot of people, which can feel really overwhelming to try to do right now, right? Like how do you, how do you get your first 100 students? How do you get your first 1000 students? Even if you want to really have a chiropractor attend every home birth and every birth center birth, that's a pretty big undertaking, but you've got to start by taking one step forward at a time. So if you've got your course right now, that the in-person course content already created, the next step for you is to start marketing the course and getting people interested in the course. So you make a face as I say that. <laughs> Tell me more about what comes up for you as you think about marketing the course. I do. I have a hard time putting myself out there and I don't really know why. Um, I think part of that's that introverted personality um, and marketing is always so burdensome. I've done very little marketing in my practice over the years. It's all been word of mouth. So it's foreign territory to, to me. Um, and I think at some point I'm just going to have to hire a virtual assistant to do that portion of it for me. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's certainly an option that you could delegate the um, marketing, maybe like the online marketing components of your marketing for your course to someone who is going to do it for you. And that brings down the barrier essentially of, I don't want to do the marketing, but yet it's still getting done because somebody else is doing it. In addition to that, what worked well for you to grow your practice was word of mouth. Yeah. Right. So how could you apply the same thinking, the same approach to a new offering that you have available? How could you apply that to, how could you apply word of mouth to your course? Um, hopefully I can find some chiropractors that are very interested in taking the course and that will help with that at some point. 
um, that will talk about it after they've taken it. Um, I'm not really sure. Marketing is not a strong point. All right. So here's my thoughts. Do you want to know my thoughts on this? Absolutely. <laughs> You've got a really big vision for where your course can go. And, and I'm with you. I feel like it would be amazing, of course, to have a chiropractor attend every birth, period. End of story. Whether the birth was vaginal birth or a cesarean birth, like there's still validity to having a chiropractor there to support every woman who's laboring regardless of the outcome of the birth. So that again, you know, like you might feel like you've got to run a sprint marathon in a sense, like you're going to be really going a long distance and you're going to do it as quickly as possible. But if you slow down a bit and really think about what allows you to honor having time for yourself, having time to be present with your family, still focusing on attending births as well as working in your practice, then word of mouth is a way that yes, this course can grow organically, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that you're going to have to be okay with is that the growth might be slower that way and letting that be okay. If you, mm -hmm. if you were super gung ho about marketing, uh, marketing the course and um, wanted to, or could put a lot of focus on that, then maybe the, the enrollment for the course would grow more quickly that doesn't necessarily mean though that the long-term outcome would be better. Now, here's why I say that, because when you teach the course the first time, you will teach the course to people who already know, like, and trust you and who are excited to take this course with you. They're going to have a great experience. And when you teach the course the next time, you're going to take their feedback and you're going to make the course even better. And the next time you teach it, you're going to be teaching it to people that may not have known you for as long or that might mm -hmm. feel newer to you. And they're going to be perhaps a little more skeptical, if you will. Right. That's the good thing about having a slower growth is that you're able to refine the course as you grow the enrollment or the number of students that take the course. Instead of, I'm going to launch this course and I'm going to offer it to 1,000 people or even 100 people, the first enrollment, and then have people that take it and they're like, eh. And, and by the way, they may not be lackadaisical because the content wasn't good, but because they were not fully bought in to the experience with you. I know this, that sounds crazy perhaps, yeah. but, but people that are not, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not fully invested in learning with you specifically are going to just be more difficult to please. And that happens in every business, especially in like an education type of setting. Sure. Cause it's largely about how they feel about the experience with you, what they think leaving the course. All right. So then there's this other component of what you're working on, which is creating an online option for mm -hmm. learning this information from you. And as we were talking about this, my thought process was, Okay. So you've got content ready to teach this year for the first time. All right. So slow it down. And maybe 2021 is the time that you launch the online offering for this material. Maybe because what you're going to do is you're going to learn from teaching it hands-on in person and figure out as you go, what makes sense to teach in online format as well. Plus the people that are taking it in person will help essentially create testimonials, reviews, 
of what they've learned with you and then why other people would want to learn with you, but may not be able to travel to Fort Worth to be there mm-hmm. in person. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, that makes sense. You know, I, I don't really know enough about marketing to know like, the best route. So if you say that's a good way to go, I will trust you on that. <laughs> just because, you know, I, I really just, I don't know. I do feel like I need something online, um, some sort of resources, some sort of education to help people know that, you know, if, if they click on the address of birth, that they can find some information and find, oh, yeah, that really resonates with me and not something that I would like to explore more. Mm-hmm. So coming up with what that looks like um, is probably the next step. Yeah. Okay. How long have you had the idea to teach this course or this information in general? Very specifically, I've been working on it for a couple of years. Um, it's always been in the back of my mind since I started working um, heavily in birth because it's just not out there. So it's been about two years since you really got clear on the possibility that you could teach this information to other chiropractors and the yeah. impact that, that could have on birth the culture of birth in general. What do you think is the worst case scenario if you don't have an online course available until a year from now? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the, the chiropractors that are looking for more that are working in birth, you know, there may be some core birth outcomes if they don't have more information, but it's not going to be any different than life without that information from, mm-hmm. from the standpoint just time. I want to save all the babies. So I want to get it out of there. Yes. Okay. So what's the best case scenario if you have a course online available in a year from now? And that, you know, there's more skills that the, you know, our profession can help people at a different level and a different, from a different perspective. And if you are able to take like a strong but steady approach to creating course content over the next 12 months, to have an online option available, what else would be the best case scenario? You might feel sane through the process of creating the course instead of feeling immensely overwhelmed with trying to hurry and get it all created. And then maybe even feel like you rush through creating the content just to get it done quicker. And you're not super excited about the quality of what you created. And then what happens? you feel even more resistance to marketing the course yeah. or to getting people enrolled in the course in general in any way. So if you slow it down and chip away at it over the next 12 months, then you might actually have a, a product that you feel more excited about and mm-hmm. you've preserved your health and your sanity and your time with your family in the process. So yeah. on that note, do you now, or could you possibly have a time period that recurs a, a block of time, essentially that you can work on creating content for the online portion of your offering of your courses? Yeah. I'm going to have to give it out of my schedule a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What would you have to say no to in order to be able to do that? I don't think it's not saying no to, I mean, I have time block, but they're in my downtime. So, you know, 
it's non-productive time, but I need that in many ways. And sometimes my non-productive time is my most productive time because that's when I'm actually chill and can think things through and ideas come into my house and things like that. So, yeah, you know, it's balance. It's, and I, I tend to do things in like first. Like I might not work on anything for a month and then I might have a day where I have to get everything done and I've got all these ideas and does that approach feel good for you? Do you feel, do you feel healthy at the end of a burst of work? I feel good about getting it done, mm-hmm. but I also, I'm not willing to push too hard and make myself too tired or, you know, those kinds of things. I try to try to balance, try to balance that push with keeping me healthy and keeping me energized and that kind of thing. So what do you think about looking out into the future of your schedule? Maybe it's like toward the middle or end of springtime, for example, and blocking out two-ish days that you don't put anything else on your schedule, but these two days are time for you to get in front of the camera and start recording content for the online portion of the course. Yeah, you could probably do that. When I uh, had the idea probably like 2012 slash 13-ish for the first time, to like record videos for my patients so that they could access all the exercises and stretches I was teaching them in my office and forgetting how to do when they went home. I was like, I, I could make videos and I could put this on YouTube and then they wouldn't, they wouldn't come back with the excuse that they forgot how to do this. <laughs> they would have something they could refer back to at home that gave them the instructions that I had just given them three times over the last week. <laughs> and Yet I didn't do that because I felt like, well, I don't have time for that. I just don't, I don't have time to create this content. Right. And I would think about it all the time. And yet I never just proactively blocked out some time in my schedule and got it done. So it never happened. I mean, now it's 2020 and I never did that project. I just eventually wiped it off the project slate. Essentially it's no longer applicable. But looking back on it now, six or seven years later, actually, I guess seven or eight years later, I'm like, oh, that's obvious. Why didn't I just put, like forecast a couple of days out in the future, block them off and use those days as time that I was going to work on that project and not do anything else yeah. because no one pointed that out to me. I don't know. All right. So maybe you can take an approach that kind of blends those two together. Like you've got a recurring time that happens throughout the next year that gives you a little bit of time to work on the content or on the course in general. You'll need to put maybe an enrollment page up or some other technical aspects of the course, as well as creating the course content. And then just scheduling some time in the future that your schedule is blocked, it's untouchable. And that might even mean that you don't attend a birth on those days, but that you let it be okay. You're going to record the content and just get it done. Yeah. Okay. So what is your homework that you're taking away from this time together today? It's okay to take it slowly, on it out, block out my time effectively, continue to develop the course, and allow that to, to change and work into the best course possible. Keep teaching, keep making sure that I'm in front of the camera to get myself more at ease with the video. Marketing has to be done. And so to do that, I'm 
different forms, but organically. Yeah. And then so much I need to go back and watch this at some point. I take notes. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to get this course launched and you were like, I have to have this ready in the next month, I have to have an online option available. Well, then that might mean that you clear a whole week of your schedule. You don't take any births. You don't have any chiropractic appointments. You just get the coursework done. However, what's likely to happen during that time? <laughs> As a mom, something will happen that's going to draw right. your attention away, even if right. you've cleared your schedule. And so that deadline might then still get pushed off a bit. But taking a longer, longer view, essentially like forecasting this out longer will help you be a bit more I don't know if realistic is the right word, but like just kinder to yourself on your expectations. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So do you feel clear on your next steps? I think so. Yeah. Awesome. And do you feel like this time has been helpful for you? Absolutely. Good. Thank you again for joining me for this episode of the Aligned Women Podcast. If you love this show, please share your favorite episode with another woman in chiropractic. Think of your classmates and the woman who practice near you. Is there one who you know is tired, overwhelmed, exhausted, or just burned out? If so, let her know about the Aligned Women podcast right away. And if you love what you hear on this show and want more insight into Aligned Women's proven method for women in chiropractic on how you can have more time freedom and more financial freedom, how you can build a practice full of the right patients, not just more of them, and how you can feel confident that you're making the impact you were born to make as a chiropractor. Be sure to grab the Aligned Chiropractors Survival Guide at AlignedChiroSurvivalGuide.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.